Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dad. I'm here with producer Kyle at the awesome Red Bull Studios here in Chelsea. Today was a crazy day. So we do the podcast once a week, and normally there is an awesome sports news that falls on the day of our podcast. But today, that was not the case. There was awesome sports news. So NFL free agency opened up today. It was wild. People went everywhere. Things kind of uh, switched all around. And who better to talk to about it than an NFL player? We've got giant star wide receiver Victor Cruz here. Hi, Victor. How you doing? Good. So what came across your phone today that you were like, whoa, that's kind of crazy? I mean, obviously, Janoris Jenkins, 62 million, 29 guaranteed yeah. to the Giants, a much needed position that we needed to fill. So I was excited about that news. Amongst the, um, but most importantly, besides that, was JPP coming back for another year. Yeah. Um, so I was excited about that, having him back. You know, he's pretty much the only guy left from my draft class. It's just me and him, just yep. the Lone Rangers, just hanging out um, this year. So I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, I think uh, I think we made some some really, some really, really good moves. One of the things that really surprised me today was um, Olivier Vernon, five years, 85 million, 52 and a half of that guaranteed. Thoughts? I want a loan and I get some money. <laughs> Olivia, if you're listening to this, I want to buy a car. I'm a few million short. I need a loan. No, but it's, um, you know, that, that de- defensive line market is, is a wealthy one. So yeah, even just, you know, if your numbers are comparable to someone else, you have to get paid, you know, alongside of those, you know, those, those comparable numbers. So when you see those numbers come across, it looks pretty, you know, pretty girthy, but um, you got to see the market and how it's set. But I'm I'm happy he's with us. He's in blue. Yeah. Going to get that quarterback. So I'm excited. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is, if, is if I'm a Giants fan, I'm looking at the defensive line, Olivier Vernon, JPP, Snacks Harrison, what an amazing name, by the way, and Jonathan Hankins. What the heck? I mean, you are going crazy as a Giants fan, I'm sure. Kyle, you're freaking out. Well, I don't know that I'd say freaking out, but I'm very excited. You were pretty excited. Um, I'm really excited today. Today was a good day to be a Giants fan. So offensively, Giants have asked you to rework your contract. What's going on with you? I can give you a little bit of an of an exclusive tonight, too. Ooh. Literally five minutes before walking in here, um, the deal is done. I'm staying in New York. You know, deal is the the contract is reworked, so I'm here at least for another year. So I'm excited about that. Congrats! Thank you very very much. Great so um so yeah, I'm I'm in New York. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't go anywhere else. I mean, I'm such a Jersey dude, born and raised here. Being in New York, and you know, especially missing those last, you know. Pretty much two years of, of football. Yeah. Um. I wanted. I was anxious to come back, and and I didn't want to come back anywhere else but New York. So I was just excited to have that opportunity, and thank the entire Giants organization for allowing me to to have that opportunity. What was this process like for you, going through everything, and you know, because you see things come across on Twitter that you know you're going somewhere else, or you're going to get cut, or you need to do X, Y, and Z, and people don't really know. You're really the only one who knows. What's that like for you to go through? Ironically, it was pretty calming. I mean, I I knew it was coming. It wasn't like I was just in the dark and it was a surprise. I knew I hadn't played in two years. I'm making X amount of money. I knew there was going to be something done there. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm real. I'm realistic about the situation that I was placed in that I that I was placed in. Um, but I was calm. I was just let, letting my agent work, letting him you know do what he's he's there to do and talk to them and come back to me and see where we were and and just see what my options were and. And um and that's pretty much it. I you know kept my family close, talked to my mom about it because she doesn't know anything of this stuff. So I'm breaking it down for her. Like, look, this is what I'm you know supposed to make. This is so I'm breaking it down for her. And she was like, "You're not gonna leave, are you?" Like with the soft Puerto Rican mom voice. Oh, that's so cute. Um, but I'm like, Ma, I don't know. Like, don't <laughs> give me that face because it's gonna make me cry. So just go away. Oh. Um, but you know, hopefully she's 
uh, home. I haven't even told her about it yet, so she'll, she'll know. Soon wow, enough. we found out before mom. Mm-hmm. I won't tell mom that that was the order that it all you know, <laughs> happened in that we It'll found be out before. Secret. It'll be our secret. Can you give me any sort of details about the contract? I don't want to pry too personally. Um, no. I think uh, you'll see the numbers and the stuff tomorrow okay. when, once it's all finalized. And you were happy with how it turned out? I'm happy. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Great. How's rehab going? So you had the knee injury, the calf injury. How's everything healing up? Rehab is going very, very well. Great. Um, I'm pretty much right on schedule in terms of recovery, in terms of beginning to run and sprint and cut and all of that good stuff. So I just started running about a week ago. And then now as we, you know, as the running continues and as we continue to build, um, I'll go, f- you know, start running faster and faster and then start to cut and then um, probably right into the OTAs and stuff like that. So I'm excited for the process. I'm excited to, you know, I'm in the process of literally rebuilding my entire lower body into becoming stronger, faster, and kind of staying that way. I think that's that's the biggest key for me now in this point in my career is not just recovering and being 100% again, but staying that way. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's what I'm working towards. So over the last couple of years, you've watched teammate – Odell Beckham Jr. essentially turn into a star, and you've mm-hmm. had a front row seat. We all see the catches and the amazing athleticism. Is there anything we're missing? No, nah, man. I mean, um, uh, other than he's just he's just such a kid. He's just excited to be playing. He's just excited to be on a team. He's passionate about football, passionate about winning, almost to a fault. And and it's um and it's good to see. It's good to have someone like that, not just on your team, but in your receiver room that pushes you to be better. And I push him to be better, and we we push each other, and it's and it's just fun. It's just fun having him around, making fun of his blonde hair all the time, <laughs> making you know just just bantering with him, talking to him every day. It's it's a it's a blast. How hard was it for you to watch from the sidelines and not be able to be on the field with him? It's very difficult because yeah. obviously you're happy for him, you see all the things he's doing, and you're excited for him. You see him in in the locker room, and you you know talk to him, but. You wish you were out there next to him, you know, making those same plays, high-fiving him when he's doing it, like all those things that that you wish you were out there doing. So that was the toughest part is being able or not being able to be out there next to him with him um, while we're doing it, while he's be- having so much success. Well, especially on the field, if you see him kind of getting bullied around, you want to be able to stand up for your teammates. And that's got to be really tough to not be able to jump in there because usually in any other scenario in your life, if you see one of your boys getting you know, beaten, you're going to go in there and help out. 100%. And, and especially this year with, with the ups and downs that he had, it was it was tough, you know, because I can talk to him as much till I'm blue in the face in the locker room, but it's n- it's when you're in the trenches and when it's happening is when you want your friend and your brother on the team to come save you and help you. And um, and I wasn't there to do that. Have you visualized you both being on the field at the same time coming up next season together? Every day. Yeah. Every day. So I'm excited about it. I, I just, you know, one day at a time. I just have to work on getting myself healthy first and then everything else to take care of itself. So I'm excited for the opportunity. Uh, and when it happens, I'm sure uh, Giants fans like, like producer Kyle over here will be <laughs> very, very excited. Yes. Tom Coughlin was pushed out essentially in the offseason season. Easy pushed out. I Jesus. mean, well, I, I a strong word. It's a strong word, but I don't want to say fired because he wasn't fired. But they came to a mutual agreement asking him to leave. Yeah, and that means he was pushed. out. That means he was pushed out, and he's not coaching anywhere right now. So yeah. that also means that you know they saw something in him that was like we're we're done with you on the sidelines. Unfortunately, uh, for as a Redskins fan going through the carousel of head coaches, mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys could get rid of a head coach that won multiple Super Bowls. To me, that is not you guys, as in you were a part of that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. It, it's just baffling to me that that. You know, as an organization, they were able to do that. But, you know, uh, what happened happened. 
how hard is it going to be for you, you know, to walk in the first day that you come back next season and Tom Coughlin's not there? Um, it's going to be a different energy, uh, definitely a different energy, because you come back, you know that first meeting that when he sits us down and talks to us about his goals for the year, you know, it's, it's a certain tone, there's a certain uh, energy that comes with that, you know what I mean? And, and that's what you expect. I mean, for six years, that's all I've known. Uh, so to come in and... The best part is that it's a familiar face, right? You got Coach McAdoo, who's been there the past two years, the past two seasons, and he's done had some success offensively. Eli's had the best numbers of his career the past two years in terms of passer rating. Um, so it's a familiar face, which is good. You, you don't have to acclimate to a whole new person, philosophy, a new face. It's a face that you're familiar with. Yeah. But obviously not having Tom there is uh is going to be a change and it's just going to be kind of you know the, a little empty feeling there for sure i've heard a lot of people have awesome tom coughlin stories do you have any that stand out in your mind oh man um I, uh, two stories one is whenever there's a big game whenever there's a division game whether we play the eagles or something like that he'll come in and and, and right when it's that eerie silence when he's about to say something to us and get the meeting started He'll just he'll just yell out, "Let's go!" and start doing jumping jacks in the middle of the <laughs> of the auditorium. And then everybody's like, "Yeah!" And start going crazy. So that's the best one. And then the second part is kind of Coach Coffin as a man. When he sees things, you know, he sees you individually going through something. Like he pulled me to the side this past year, one on one, and it had nothing to do with football. He was like, "How are you mentally? Like, what's going on? How are you handling being out? How are you handling?" your injury, how's your family doing, how's your daughter. Like, he really wanted to know how you were as a person. Yeah. Like, pulled me out of a meeting and, and, and had this conversation with me. So I think that explains both sides of Coach Coughlin, the fun side that understands how to get his players motivated to play a big game, and then the fact that he cares about you as a human being and as an individual. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, I, I've only known one coach, I've only known one organization, but I'd imagine that's pretty rare around the league. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, friend of the show, Prince Mukamara, came on. And was at the press conference and see, he said it was, you know, somber and it was a bizarre situation to have all of these players standing around, essentially watching somebody who's been a father figure to them saying goodbye. Were you at the press conference? I was there and I was in the back and then I realized like I was in the back maybe watching for about five minutes and I realized like this is a moment in Giants history. Let me yeah. move up and pay attention. So I moved up and I literally sat on the steps like a little kid. And watch the entire press conference. And you can see people, like Eli was crying. You can see yeah. people physically like, man, like hurt by this. Like they're going to miss Coach Coughlin and, and really miss his energy and his passion that he brought to the game. And it was um, it was definitely, there was an energy in that room, in that auditorium during the press conference that was definitely different than anything we've ever felt. Yeah. Well, now it's Ben McAdoo's chance to step up, so we'll see what he can do. I mean, you guys are familiar with mm -hmm. him, so. But as a head coach, that'll be interesting. You mentioned Eli. We love the fact that on Katie Nolan's Garbage Time, you did the oh, Eli man. phase. Wait, you know, how, much, how is, much flack did you get for that? Did, has Eli, have you talked about it at all? That's the thing. I don't think Eli's seen it yet. <laughs> but I know throughout this offseason, he's going to be making his rounds on media, whatever he's doing. And I know somebody's going to pull that footage up for him. And I'm did you immediately regret it when you did it? As soon as I did, as I was doing it, I was like, this is so bad. Are you worried about any Eli a little, retaliation? A little worried. Room? A little worried. Because if anybody knows Eli, he likes to play pranks and he likes to do little things. And I might pop up on that big screen in the meeting room doing something that I didn't even know I was doing. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I had to, you know, that's my only shot to like, 
take a shot at E. You right, know what I mean? Right. In a fun-loving way that he'll love and laugh at. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see him to see if he's, uh, next time I see him to see if he's seen that clip. We'll have to see if there's any sort of retaliation or hazing that you get from that. <laughs> Keep you posted. That'll be pretty funny. Going back to being with the Giants, you're going to be back on the field this year with them. And we were talking a lot about on the podcast throughout this season about how Cam Newton got a lot of negative reaction to a lot of his dances and things mm-hmm. that he did. You have the salsa, so mm-hmm. let's spin it positively. Salsa coming back? Are we coming up with a new dance? I gotta say, consistent. The salsa will remain the salsa. I will be uh, great. My, I love my, it. <laughs> my uh, my grandmother roll over in her grave if I did anything else. <laughs> um, but Cam, I you know I don't I don't have any quarrels against against Cam and and his excitement. And he brought an energy to the game that you know that wasn't there that lacked a little bit prior to him. And the best thing was he was winning. So you can't say anything negative about him because he's having fun. He's enjoying his teammates. His teammates have – you ask any of his teammates, do they love playing for him, they go through the moon because they love the guy. Yep. So that's all you can ask for, a quarterback that is having fun playing the game, winning, and has teammates that love playing for him. So anything he does after that, if he's not, you know – being detrimental to the game of football, I don't have a problem with it. I talk about this a lot um, in my vows with Peter when we got married. I said to him that he dreams out loud. And I feel like that's something that he really does in his career and he ends up accomplishing a lot because from start to finish, he sees it and then it comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also called visualization. That's a big thing in sports. Mm-hmm. Do you do that a lot? Do you see yourself doing things and then accomplishing them? I do. I, I always write things down. I okay. always write, you know, even in my mind, um, I'm going through things and I'm like, I have to do that. And I, every day I wake up and I say it to myself and I'm in the mirror, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm like, this is what I'm going to accomplish today. This is what's going to happen. And most of the time they, they do. And and most of that is because, you know, I've set a good foundation for myself individually to accomplish a lot of these goals. And because I have a good foundation of people around me um, that kind of help me and guide me to get to that goal. Um, it's funny. Um, Peter was on my show, on yeah. my podcast, and uh, I was telling him, like, you know, you, you're all over the place, man. You got so many jobs, your hands in so many buckets. You, you're getting a lot of checks. It's a lot of checks coming through your way, Peter. And he starts laughing. But <laughs> he's definitely somebody that I've admired for a very, very long time, especially in radio and media. And to see him really um, really crossing over into different platforms has been fun to watch. Yeah, it's been fun for me, too, since mm-hmm. uh, I get to reap the rewards from that. So it's great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talking about hands in a lot of different buckets, you are all over the place also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were on HBO's Ballers. You shot that Marriott commercial with Ben Schwartz, who's John Ralphio from Parks and Rec, if you mm-hmm. guys don't know mm-hmm. that. He's hilarious. I love him. You have your own podcast, The Victor Cruz Show. Uh, why not just retire now and become an entertainer? Because I still got some business. You know, my job is still playing football. Yeah. You know what I mean? My job is still... You know, still... It's, it's safer to act than it is to play football. I know. I won't be destroying my body every year in and year out, right? right. But pa- football's my passion. It's my love. And it's also what pays the bills as well. Plus, well. you're good at it, so that and helps. I'm, I'm pretty good at it, yeah. so I, it's <laughs> yeah, good. You're, to, you're to, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but football is my job, and it's my passion. It's what I want to do, and literally, I will play football until I don't have a leg to stand on anymore. You know what I mean? So, um, I just want to continue to fulfill that dream of mine is to play football um, a minimum of ten years is my goal. That was my wow. goal since high school, since the moment I could remember. Um, so, if I could play ten years, anything else after that is a bonus. Um, but yeah, that, that's my, that's my goal. So talk to me about Ben Schwartz. What was Ben Schwartz like to work with? Oh man, he's a, he's hysterical. Like he's a guy and we hit it off immediately. Like as soon as he came in and was prepping me for the show and was joking, I'm joking back. He was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. So 
Uh, we were kicking it, and um, and we got some other things in the works as well. So it'd be oh, fun. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, good. absolutely. What other comedians or actors are you big fan of? You hang out a lot with? Oh man, I, I mean, uh, we got guys like uh, Michael B. Jordan, Terrence J. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Denzel. I'm a fan of the greats like, you know, uh, <clears throat> uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, guys that I admired over the years. These are guys that I look up to and try to. You know, pick little little things that they do and try to add it to, to my. And to you're my friends game. with these guys now, or you? Just I am. I mean, the... I'm not friends with Leo, although okay. I've met him from time to time. But I wouldn't consider us friends. Uh-huh. Um, but I am friends with Michael B. Jordan. I am friends with Ben Schwartz, obviously. Um, Kevin Hart is a guy that you know I'm friends with him. That I see, all, you know, he's doing. A, it feels like he's in a different movie every month. Um, <laughs> he's all over the place. He's all over the place. Yeah. But it's it's um it's good. I'm actually doing it a podcast with him next week which is which is pretty fun oh my gosh well yeah. i'm glad that we got you before he did yeah man that's you guys pretty are exclusive priority, you know appreciate I mean? it <laughs> when you take yourself back to 12 year old you and you're naming all of these people that you're hanging out with and all these celebrities and the tons of different opportunities that you've been able to get what is 12 year old you saying to yourself oh man i mean 12 year old me was like if you would have told 12 year old me that i'd be you know rubbing shoulders with guys like Leo and, and guys like Michael B. Jordan and all these actors and Kevin Hart and I'd be on these shows and and people even consider me to be on their, you know, shows like Ballers and things like that. I would have told you you were kidding. Get out of my face. Like, no way. Yeah. Um, but it's been it's been truly humbling to go through this process and to go through, you know, everything, all the ups. And if anybody knows my story, they know the ups and downs and things that I faced collegiately as a as a young teen you know losing my dad at a young age so it's it's a lot to go through and to come out the other end and be where I am today is truly uh it's truly an honor so it's um it, it's humbling each and every day that I wake up well, well you mentioned your dad it's funny I watched I am giant Peter and I watched it a, a while back when it came out and then I was refreshing watching it uh, this week and I realized we have two things in common mm-hmm. um one we both got kicked out of freshman year of college for partying too hard (laughs) that happened to me too although my excuse was i have mono which is what white people get when they are too lazy to go to class (laughs) aka being too hungover that's pretty much the same thing but i did get kicked out and had to get reinstated and it was a whole thing um the other thing is uh we've both both lost somebody really close to us Mm -hmm. i lost my brother coming up five years from now and I think that watching your journey and your fiance said it really well, the roller coaster and these different ups and downs and the crashes and all that kind of stuff, that plays such a huge part in your life. And when people say, you know, how's he going to come back from this injury? Injury is nothing, man. Mm-hmm. Going through rehab is nothing. It's about all of the things that you've gone through in your past and learning from those things to be able to go forward into what you're doing in your future. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, that's what it's all about. It's about understanding the things you go through and using them as motivation, using yeah. them, understanding that the people that you that have gone and that have passed, using what they taught you. Like my dad always taught me to never quit, never give up, no matter what. Even if halfway through you're like, screw this, this sucks, I don't know why I'm doing this, I should quit. Yeah. Never, ever quit. Always finish what you're doing because it shows character and it shows that you're a person of integrity. When you finish something and you complete it. And you can look at yourself like I did that and now on to the next thing. Yeah. And the one thing that you said about your dad was that he said, believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's an amazing sentiment. And I I love it. But it's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. So you can do all the hard work. Right. So studying for a test or, you know, studying for doing an interview or, you know, working out in the field, that kind of stuff is easy. It's a lot of work, but it's easy. Really, the mental stuff is what you need to prepare yourself for. But I do feel like a lot of people and I've realized this from people who have lost 
um, really important family members in their lives, they almost take this armor and put this armor on and like they're battling for somebody else and themselves now. And they can just forge through life differently than other people who haven't had those experiences. Exactly. It's something to be said for people that lose someone. And if there's, you know, once you go through something like that, you, you, when other quarrels and other things come up in your life, you're able to treat them much calmer because you've already gone through so many, you know, rougher things in your life that, you know, a hangnail isn't going to be a, a problem for you because yeah. you've gone through so much worse. You yeah. know what I mean? So when all these other obstacles come across your way, you you handle them with resolve and, and a calmness that you may not have had before because you've already faced through so much. Like people are asking, what are you going to do about the contract? Are you going to be here? And I'm just calm. I'm like, it's going to handle itself. Like, right. you know, the, the truth is going to come out and then God is going to put you in a place to make a decision and you're going to know clear cut what you're going to do. So I don't need to panic and stress out about it and, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and just stress because that I've already been through the worst of the worst. It, of it can't get any worse than, right. than what I've been through. So just handle it with a calm mind and, and come out the other end. All right. I want to spin it positive uh, and keep it a little light. How did you get kicked out of UMass? What were you doing partying? What was oh, Victor man. Cruz partying like? Because for me, it was mono. like... I had mono. I had mono, too. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. a little mono, too. No, I mean, I got kicked out because two things. One, I just wasn't going to class. Like, I was just like, I'm going to go to, you know, orientation, first class, get the syllabus, and then, like... I play football at UMass, so they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, well, you don't I have, have any parents play. around to hold you yeah, accountable. Yeah, no one's either. here. Yeah. My mom, you know, my mom was the one that came in the room, turned the light on, come on, get up, go to school. Yeah, my mom too. I got in the room and I was like, "Where's mom? Like, where's mom at? <laughs> yeah. No one's no one's turning the light on. Yeah. I could just stay here. All right, cool. So I would just stay in bed or, you know, go to down to the horseshoe, grab something to eat, and just chill. I would just hang out. Yeah. Um, but that obviously slowly but surely came back to bite me bite me in the ass. So yeah. Well, I'm glad you got reinstated finally. Yeah, we made it happen. So I'm not trying to start some shit, um, but we had Chris Sims on the podcast recently, and we were talking to him about athletes off the field ventures. And he says, quote, Victor Cruz was Odell Beckham Jr. just four years ago. Now he hasn't played well. He's been hurt. He's doing, I feel like, a lot of public appearances to stay relevant. And I want to be like, Victor, the hell with all those appearances. Just focus on your body. Get healthy. Play awesome football this year. And then everyone is going to want you to come appear at everything they do. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I haven't done any public appearances. What, what, I mean, Chris. Yeah, fuck off, Chris. Chris is my guy. No, Chris about? is my guy. Chris is my guy. <laughs> no, we love. Um, I think you meant like ballers and the the commercials and all. You know, he didn't do his research. I, I didn't have any commercials. What commercial did I have? Well, the married thing, but that was it's like uh, a viral. It's like video. a spot. Yeah, yeah, it's not really commercial. Listen, I defended you too. I, I you respect know, that. Right. You're wearing a Giants hat. So yeah. You're on the right side. Of the, you're <laughs> on the right side of, the, uh, of the road here. Um, but I mean, essentially, I mean, the world goes on. You know what I mean? Even though you're hurt, your your body, your mind isn't hurt, your face isn't hurt, your, you know what I mean? Your intellectual side isn't hurt. So yeah. I mean, I had a I had a signature shoe that came out this year. So I, I had to go out and contractually go out and do these things that I was obligated to do. So it wasn't like I could just be like, oh, I'm hurt. Let me go hide under a rock somewhere and not and not let anyone see me. Yeah. Um. So I still had to do these things, and not for nothing, I stayed pretty relevant throughout the whole thing even though i was been gone from the game for about two years yeah um but there's a lot of things we said no to as well mm-hmm. as you may you know may know like there's a ton of things that we were like we just can't do that right now because we don't want to put out that type of image i mean people in new york are going to say things anyway yeah. regardless of what you do um trust me i see it under my comments on every photo i post on instagram yeah, people, do you read those people comments? on twitter are going to say I browse through it yeah. i mean naturally you see it so it's not you know i'd be 
I'd be lying if I say I don't even see it because yeah. when I post it, you look at your photo, see how many likes you have. You look at that. Yeah. And then the last photo is like, you stink. You belong in New York. Where are you going? Like, you read that. You got to look at it. Yeah. Um. So I, I understand it. I understand where it comes from. I'm from this area. I understand how the fans are. I understand everything. So I felt like I walked, you know, when I'm when I'm posting things on Instagram, when I'm doing certain things, I make sure I'm careful. I make sure that I... You know, post a photo of me working out as well so people just don't think I'm out in L.A. being a superstar or something You're smart. like that. Yeah. yeah. So I make sure there's a, there's a balance. I've learned from Peter to try and flip those comments as much as possible. Either don't say anything or laugh about them hysterically because if you read them in a funny context, only almost with like, you know, if you were to put 3D glasses on mm-hmm. and watch a 3D movie, if you mm-hmm. read it in that context, some of this stuff is hilarious. Like, these people are such losers. But to me, it just ends up being funny. Ever been bulletin board material for you that you've, like, something one person has said that's stuck with you that you're like, I'm going to prove that person wrong? Not really. I mean, not one specific one. But, yeah. I mean, if you just scroll up and down any one of my photos, I can take any one of those comments and, right. and put it up on the bulletin board. Yeah. But it does serve as motivation. You know what I mean? It does yeah. serve as, like... I want to prove these people wrong. I want to prove all the critics wrong. I want to go out and be the player that I once was and be the athlete that I once was and bring another Super Bowl back to this city because, one, we deserve it, and, two, I mean, that's what you play for, right? That's what, that's what you know, and, and especially when you reach that pinnacle once already, you get spoiled, man. You want to go back every year, and you want to, you know, you want to figure out a way to get back to that, and I think the Giants, especially this year with what we've done in free agency as of right now, I think we have a shot to do that. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about the opportunity, and um, and I'm excited, man, just to get back out there 100% and rock out. So I'm obviously not an NFL player. I don't know if you could tell or not. but um, It's hard to tell. Yeah, I, I haven't played in the NFL <laughs> before. So I don't know what it's like to catch a touchdown, let alone catch a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Can you try and explain that feeling oh, to man, us? Oh, it's, man, it's very difficult. I mean— Is there anything better? There's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, there's no, especially the Super Bowl one, it's yeah. just like— Especially that year, I had no touchdowns throughout the throughout the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, teams were obviously queuing in on me and making sure that I wasn't having those explosive games that really changed the dynamic of the game. So yeah. there was playoff games where I wasn't getting a lot of touches, and then there was the NFC Championship game where I kind of came out and it, I had nine for like a 140 in the first half. But I didn't score a touchdown in that game. But we still won, obviously, and we ended up going to Super Bowl. So you're in the Super Bowl, you're just like, I just want to catch everything that comes my way. If I score, I score. I just want to win the game. Yeah. So to be the first touchdown of the game, the only receiving touchdown of the game, and to win the game and to do a salsa dance in the Super Bowl, it was just like, there's nothing that can compare to that feeling, to that emotion. And then the best part, which I don't think even no one really knows this, the end zone in which I scored, my high school football coach, my godfather, who was also my AAU basketball coach, we're sitting six rows from that end zone. Wow. So I'm literally caught the touchdown and dancing in there, and they're looking down on me like extensions of my dad watching me score in the end zone. That so is it was unbelievable. Like, it was amazing. Um, going back to the Chris Sims things for a second, I have something I want to play you. Uh-oh. When Chris Sims said all that stuff, I totally backed you, right? I have to admit, though, when we came across a poster for the comedy show that you're hosting this spring, I was like, okay, Victor, this is too far. Further research led us to um, to to figure out that that was not you at all. Uh, Victor Cruz, if you didn't know, is a pretty common name. I'm sure you know that at this yeah. point. And it was this guy instead hosting the comedy show. I have to play this clip. This is amazing. Hello, mi gente. Yo soy Victor Cruz. No 
And he Boy, does the was... salsa. Like, what are you doing? The funny thing is, that's not the first time I've seen him, obviously, because, <laughs> because on my Twitter, he, you know, when he does events or whatever, it goes viral on my page, uh-huh. like on my Twitter page. People are like, I can't wait to see you. Are you do are you really doing comedy? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, who is this guy? Like, what is happening right now that he's a comedian? He's blowing up my Twitter feed right now. Um, but it's cool. I haven't, I've yet to meet him. Uh-huh. I know he's local. I know he's in the area. Yeah. Um, but every time I see a post and every time I see something come up on my page about him and people think it's me, I think it's, it's pretty funny. I doubt well, he's a fan. I bet he hates you. Well, he's, I mean, he's, he's hosting a comedy show at the Gotham Comedy Club. I'm not mad at and it. that's how I found this. And oh my God, <laughs> and, your name and slash his yeah. name could not be bigger on the flyer. Like he's yeah. literally advertising the fact that Victor it's, Cruz his, is His name to is the really show. big and his picture is like off in the side yeah, hidden. He's, he's so. getting, there's going to be Giants fans that walk in there like, Where's Victor Cruz yeah. at? Like, yeah, exactly. What? But they probably already paid the admission price, so totally. he's like, "We're oh, he locked got in." Them. Yeah, I mean, good. he looks kind of like a used car salesman. That's kind of his, a like, little bit. That that ad or whatever that was, yeah. he just showed, that promo. Yeah. It looks like there's like a Chevy about to pull up, <laughs> and he's about to like try to sell us a Chevy in the background. Yeah, it's that's crazy. what he looks like. Any sort of uh, feelings about guys who've retired this this season? Calvin Johnson retires. Peyton Manning retires. Peyton Manning, I was expecting. Yeah. Um, naturally because I was just praying to God that he didn't, you know, come back another season. And I wanted him to win a Super Bowl and then ride off into the sunset. And did you just, get to know him at all? I did. Uh-huh. Um, Eli does a camp every year down at, uh, down at Duke University with his, his receivers and Payne comes out and brings his receivers. Boo Duke. So, we, <laughs> so we've, uh, so we've done that about three years in a row now. Okay. And I've gone every time, gotten to know Payne. Obviously, at night we have dinners and we get to know each other. Uh-huh. Um, he's a he's a great dude, man. I mean, he has stories for days. And uh, there's just an energy about him that, you know, even if you're not on his team, he cares about you because he's developed a rapport with you over the years. He's seen you on and off the field. So he's just a great guy. I mean, other guys like Calvin, and they're a little bit of a surprise for mm-hmm. me because I'm like, you know, these guys are relatively young you know, still very productive in their in their respective positions. So you think that, you know, they got a couple more years left. Yeah. But, you know, it's a thing to be said nowadays, guys are really paying attention to concussions and their bodies and, you know, they don't they and we've seen not for nothing, we've seen the older guys come in, the retired guys that are, you know, fifty, sixty years old and they look like they're about to break in half. It's really scary like to watch these you, guys. If you chest bump one of them, they might like fall to pieces. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to be that. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now there's guys that are putting themselves in positions for th- life after football earlier. So they don't have to play as long so they can set themselves up to do whatever they want to do off the field. So you mean they're being smart businessmen? Exactly. Right. So guys like Marshawn Lynch, who in his words, hasn't spent a lick of his NFL money has only spent endorsement money. That's crazy, by the way. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing to do that. It's very, very difficult to do that. Yeah. And um, so he set himself up long term. You know, guys like that, that pay attention to their bodies and their minds and what they want to do post football, that they don't want to keep crashing their bodies into people for an extended period of time you know yeah so you're just trying to sell all the things that you do on the side as, as... i'm trying to sell as many air, air trainer cruises as possible <laughs> I mean, so i don't have to play what's, football. what's that like to have your own shoe it's you're it's, one of like a handful of athletes it's it's, it's you unreal. and lebron and like a couple other guys and it's, that's it it's unreal and for me and Jordan, to be the first the, for me to be the first nfl athlete to have his own lifestyle shoe like my shoe isn't like a trainer where you go and work out in it and go on the field like it's strictly nightlife lifestyle going out to dinner, like things like that, that 
that's the most surreal part for me that yeah. I'm the first one to crack something. Like if you'd have told me when I was young, I've had dreams of Deion Sanders shoe being in my closet and waking up and and I pop up and I'm looking and there's nothing. There. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I've had those yeah. dreams and now to have my own shoe and I wake up every morning, I'm like, which air training cruise am I going to put on today? That's you know what amazing. I mean? So it's like, it's unreal and to see other people wearing them and to see people running up to me to sign them and all. It's just it's an unbelievable feeling. I watched your complex interview. Your shoe closet is insane. It's oh my god! <laughs> Who did you design that with? Uh, myself. I was like, I came in you with were the like, designers. I want the blue backlight. I want the. Blue. I want well, the... it's not. Well, we put it blue for the show, but it top. It goes to different colors. You can set it to whatever you want. Wow. Um, I chose. So you just the, go in there and like trip out and just be with your I shoes all day. There, yeah, I kind of just sit there. I kind of lay on the ground and just kind of <laughs> let the colors of the background kind of sway, and I'm just looking at all the shoes. But it's. Have tough. you seen a shoe closet? Have I seen his shoe closet? Yeah. No, I've never been to Victor uh, Grove's house. No, uh, it's on Complex. It's a Complex did a whole thing. They do. They go through all these different celebrities. I've done, I've done a terrible job producing this. Then I yeah, clearly yeah. producer. Yeah. Did you watch like, any videos on. about uh, Victor besides yeah, I watched, just him catching I touchdowns? The car salesman Victor Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was where things went. Good he job. was like, "Yo, I'm gonna come in and wear the hat, and I'm I'm sold. I'm and good. that's it. I don't it's have to over. Yeah. So what was it like? Did you design the shoe? The, so, um, the air cruises from start to finish, as my, the kids are calling them. Yes, myself and uh, and the wonderful people at Nike, Gentry at the time, and a couple other designers, um, we collaboratively did it. So I gave them, you know, my favorite color, my favorite car, my favorite shoes at the moment, my favorite, you know, stories that I had. Like the gray one is designed because the uh, cool gray Jordan 11 was my favorite shoe. Uh-huh. So we, I wanted a gray shoe to kind of go along with that. So they made me a gray one. So. I told them I wanted a strap. The black shoe is a commemorative one for my dad. Mm-hmm. I got to put a memory of Mike on my shoe. Like That's my, amazing. My dad's going to live forever through a shoe now. So it's like, it's unbelievable. And there are kids walking around in your hometown wearing your father's name on the shoe. Exactly. That's uh, that's unbelievable. It's unreal, man. And it's just, you know, to have my, to, for, for Nike to give me the, the strengths to be that hands-on and to be that, you know, involved in a project where they could just be like, listen, we don't. We'll do it ourselves. Just go over there and we'll tell you when it's done. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they're Nike. They can do that. Yeah. But for allowing me to be hands-on because they know how much I love sneakers, how much I love the sneaker culture, uh-huh. um, to have me that involved in it was just, like, unbelievable. I'm not a huge fan of high fashion, um, but you have a Givenchy? Givenchy? Givenchy. Oh, my God. He is it. so French. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> You spend enough time in Paris, that word just flies off your tongue. Is Paris the best city in the world? It's I'm the obsessed be- it's with Paris. Second to New York City, Paris is my favorite city 100%. in the world. I'm 100% like, with you. New York and then Paris. Just the energy, the yeah. people, and, and just the sights. I mean, they haven't touched a thing architecturally in since its inception. How about the way it lights up at night? It's amazing. It's amazing. And then they have... Like, that's the only place they have just a random merry-go-round and Ferris wheel in the yeah. middle of town. Yeah. And then they have the, the Eiffel Tower that just lights up every 30 minutes. And yeah. it's just, like, it's unbelievable. Do you get recognized over there or do you just get to sort of be... I do, which oh. is, like, not as much as New York, obviously, right. but, like, the fashion heads and the fashion people, like, they know who I am over there. Mainly because of the Givenchy campaign. Mm-hmm. And then the sneakers kind of followed that because there's tons of sneaker heads over there. Um, so I remember going to the Givenchy show this past year and I'm like, you know, you, you pull up and you see all the paparazzi and all the cameras and I'm like, they're not going to, let me just get out. And they get out and they're like, Victor. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's a couple of photos where my face is like, what? Like, how do they even know who I am? So it's, um, it's, it's been humbling that my reach has gone internationally as well. Yeah. The photos are, um, 
Interesting. I mean, I don't know that much about high fashion. You were in like a nice suit, like in a, carrying a nice bag. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A, it looks pretty cool. A little Merce yeah, action. A little, little man purse. <laughs> it's always funny when they, because we're on set and I'm, I'm taking photos and they're like, take the purse. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Like, how do, I don't even know how to hold it. And well, I'm just to be holding honest, it. Yeah, you look so uncomfortable it's holding it. Like, like, you don't even know what's going on. Because I couldn't hold it on the handles because it's like, you and won't it's not in see the it. And you yeah. won't see it. So I had to like cradle it. And I'm trying to like, it was just, it was a little awkward. But the, Photos came out great, and, you know, the response, I mean, literally in the Givenchy store, there's a picture of me probably floor-to-ceiling in here of me holding that bag, and it's huge. And then on the other side of it is Donatella Versace. (laughs) And I'm just like, where am I that I'm from Patterson, New Jersey, and I'm wearing a Givenchy outfit on this huge banner, and Donatella Versace is on the other side of it? That is unbelievable. No way. Where else have you traveled that you're— a huge fan of um florence italy is mm-hmm. one of my favorite places I love florence, yeah. milan is my favorite shopping wise it's a little bit of an industrial city mm-hmm. um but shot they have the best shopping in, in the world there mm-hmm. um where else um i've been to japan tokyo is you know unbelievable. what's you know what's so interesting about tokyo is that it's such a homogenous society that mm-hmm. when you show up you're like all these people are the same mm-hmm. and you are totally an outsider and but it's but it's also pretty cool. I mean, you understand why you like New York so much because the melting pot aspect exactly. of New York is great. But also, you kind of feel like you're stepping onto a different planet in exactly. Tokyo. It almost feels like you're walking around and people are looking at you and you're yeah. like, oh, he's different. Like, you're not like us. And you're just walking around like, everyone's the same. Everyone. And everyone's dressed the same. Yeah, moving Every, the same and, direction. And moving the same direction yeah. on the trains. Everyone stands on one side. If you're going that, like, no one bumps into each other. Everything's organized. There's not a lick of litter on the ground. They don't Even, have trash cans. They don't have trash cans. No one honks the horn yeah. in Tokyo. Like, people are like, I'm in the back of the taxi. Like, are you going to, what are you doing? <laughs> Tell this guy to move. And he's just sitting there. And then, like, and it, it teaches you an immense amount of patience because you wait there five minutes. And then the guy moves. And then you move. And then you're on your way. Yeah. It teaches you, like, in New York, everyone's honking the horn. But if you just waited five more seconds, yeah. that person's going to move. And you can be about your way. Yes, of course. Well, the Japanese are a very patient culture. Let's play a little bit of mailbag. We have some people that wrote in to the the tweet that I tweeted out asking for questions for you to answer. Okay, so Jake from State Farm. That's not his real name. No, it's a friend of mine. (laughs) It's a a friend from SMY. Says, I don't even know what this means, so maybe you do. The Hot Grill in Clifton, New Jersey. Do you order one all the way? Yo, that's funny because I was just there Uh literally three days ago with my daughter. And my daughter walks in and there's a photo of me because I... I mentioned uh, I mentioned Hot Grill in an article a few years back, and they cut out the article, framed it, highlighted where I said Hot Grill, <laughs> and they have it up in the in the uh, in the restaurant. So my daughter comes in and she's like, "Come!" It might have been her first, second time, and she walks in and she looks at me. She goes, "Daddy, that's you!" And I'm trying to be low. <laughs> I'm trying to be like low key, and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's me." And everybody's like, "Who?" <laughs> and then they see me, and it's like a, you know somewhat of a big deal. But yeah, man, I get I get two hamburgers all the way. And I get fries all the way. And it's funny because when you order it, they have like a lingo, right? The uh-huh. the, the people when you order it. The, so you're like, can I get two hot dogs all the way? And they go, one Frenchy one all the way, one Frenchy one. And they turn around, you're like, is that what I just ordered? You're like, what? Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's one of my favorite places to go to. Can you move around New York well without being mobbed? N- not not really, no. no. Yeah. So it's- you have a driver. I have a driver all the time that takes you around everywhere. Um, when I'm in the city, I kind—I of, mean, I drove into the city the other day, so mm-hmm. I do drive in and out depending on where I'm going. But were you in that sweet car that Peter put on his Snapchat? That I he got was recently? not. I was not. So a friend of mine. That Linda, car is amazing. Yo, it was, it's un, it's almost. I almost felt awkward being in it. What's it called? It's a it's a Rolls Royce Ghost. Oof. 
So someone, my friend owns a dealership and he was like, do you want to, do you want a Rolls Royce for a couple of days? And I was like, Does okay, it... you want a Cespedes? Are, are you yeah. nervous at all? Just like a little bit, yeah. obviously, because like I'm driving, I had to go through like Harlem the other day in the car, like park and like get out because we filmed our podcast there right. and I was just in that car. Oh, right. So we're pulling up and I get out and I'm kind of like, so I'm super naive to this. I'm super humble. I'm not like the flashy guy. So I get out of the car, normal. Like I get out. I'm, obviously, it's a suicide door too, so it opens up the other way. Oh my god! So I get out, and I'm just normal. I'm putting my coat on. I'm walking with with Peter, and we're walking, and then I see like people looking at me, and I'm just like, "Oh, I just got out the Rolls Royce." The ghost, no the less. Ghost, no less. Right. So, um, but yeah, but I'm not in that car. I'm in a normal, uh, you know, SUV driving through the city, and uh, and yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm like, I want to get out and walk. Like I, I don't want to be behind the tent all the time. I want to get out and walk. If we have to go somewhere that's a block away, two, three blocks away, let's walk. You know what I mean? So I can feel the people, see everybody, and just feel the fresh air for yeah. once in a while. You know what I mean? But but that doesn't work. It could get rather difficult. Can yeah. you put on sunglasses and like a hood if it's winter, like a parka? Nah, no. Your sister's saying no. She's, she's just like, she's, like, she's shaking her head not. like, yeah. not even close. Because she probably doesn't want to deal with it. Because we try. No, because we try. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, you want to walk? Uh, okay, just put your hood on and let's do this. Put your shades on and let's just go. Walk fast. Yeah. Walk, please walk fast. <laughs> By the way, um, I mentioned Victor's sister, Brianna, is here. So I just want to get her name right because Peter in her, his phone has her name spelled wrong. Oh, so I kept calling right. her the, the wrong name because he doesn't know how to spell. <laughs> All right. Um, going back to the mailbag, DJ OM Genius says, do you think that when you return to the field, you will still be the fast number one or two receiver that you were prior to injury? Um, I, I think absolutely i mean that's what you work towards right is to be the same player that you were prior to the injury to be the same athlete you were prior to the injury so but is it scary to feel like maybe i won't be obviously you you know naturally as a human being you're like you know there's a chance that it might not happen you right. don't you don't know you know what i mean yeah. so uh you just all you can do is work hard and 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 get your body back to 100% and see what happens yeah but mentally, that's what you want to be. You want to yeah. go back to where you were. You want to be back to that playmaking receiver that you once were alongside another tremendous playmaking receiver. So, yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, and we talked about the visualization. That really helps, and that'll, that'll get you there. Brian says, who was your favorite football player growing up? Oh, man, my favorite football player growing up was Michael Irvin. Okay. I grew up, if wow. anyone does even a little bit of research, they knew I grew up as a Cowboy fan. Yep. Um, even though I grew the Redskins up. fan in me hates that you're a giant now <laughs> the cowboy fan the over there it was oh my dad God. man it was my dad he was you know I was born into it I had zero choice and then when I was you know when I was younger they were, we were good we were Troy Aikman Emmett Smith uh, Michael Irvin obviously you know different guys like that so you know, now that they suck, it's 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 a it's a whole different. Plus, you're shots fired. Oh my god, I love it. That is amazing. Our cameraman Abiel is a diehard Cowboys fan. He's probably peeing his pants right now. Another guy tweeted this out. Josh said, "With Calvin Johnson retiring, by the way, with Calvin Johnson retiring, there are now no players drafted in the 1990s left in the NFL." Is that it? that is crazy? Yikes, man. So Josh says, where does Calvin rank for you all-time receivers list? He's definitely he's definitely top five, even yeah. top threes in, in some regard, because anybody who can come in and break Jerry Rice's record in any category, yeah. he's got to be up there. You know what I mean? And he's been consistent, too. Ever since he's been coming to the league, he's been consistent. I think he has the most 100-yard games, like, ever. Mm -hmm. So he's definitely, he's definitely first ballot for me. Anyone else that you like watching now that's in the league? Oh, man, there's a ton of guys. I love watching A.J. Green. I love watching Brandon Marshall. I love watching, obviously, Odell Beckham, Adrian Peterson, Patrick Peterson. Um, you know, just a ton of guys. JPP, when you know, when he's out there doing what he does best. I mean, 
there's a ton of guys that that I have a lot of respect for that go out there and uh, and I enjoy watching. When you saw JPP's hand, what was your reaction? Because Prince said was- Prince said they were in a prayer circle for the first time, mm-hmm. and JPP came up to him and <laughs> held his hand out, and Prince grabbed it and was like, "Yo, what the fuck?" He, he had, and kind of so gave him a he had look, like an ew, gross kind of moment. Yeah, and Jesus then was like, Prince. and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of admitted this. Yeah, I kind of saw. It, I kind of saw it like. In passing, like I saw him when he first came in, when the Giants were looking at him and whatever, initially, when they were trying to figure out if he's ready to come back to the team or whatever the case may be. Uh-huh. Um, so I saw it and he kind of walked past and I just, I was like, I got to look, I got to look. I, there's no way, I can't miss it. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, wow. You know, my initial reaction was like, this is bigger than I thought. This is a bigger injury than I thought. You yeah. know what I mean? Because there was a, there was a lot of damage done. And um, but I wasn't like ooh, I wasn't like you know, cause that's, I he went through a lot, you know Absolutely. what I mean. So I didn't want to be another person that saw it and was and made a face or made a gesture that made him feel even more insecure about it than he probably already has or right. the quarrels that he's already faced with throughout the entire ordeal. Yeah. But it's um, it was a substantial injury for sure. When I saw his Twitter icon of the X-ray, mm-hmm. first of all, I thought it was really empowering for him to put that as a Twitter icon because. Wow, having gone through all of that, all of the hate that he mm-hmm. got from people saying mm-hmm. that he'd never play in the NFL again, mm-hmm. I was of the opposite mindset only because I've seen, you know, people in my life, people that I relate to go through things, the worst things that they could possibly go through and come out on the other end. You know, they get through it. So and a lot of people play tons of sports without limbs. Yeah, you know, it can be done. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, you know, and so for people just to write him off was terrible. Anyway, I thought that was very empowering for him to put that at his, as his Twitter icon. So to wrap up the podcast, we oh. always tell an embarrassing story. Oh, man. So I'm going to go first, and then you're going to follow up. Okay. Okay? The year after I got kicked out of college, I moved down to the beach. It was before, actually, I knew that I was getting kicked out. So I had an idea, and I went and moved down to the beach and said, screw it. And did you still have mono at this point, or did you, were you mono-free um, at this point? I feel like I was uh, in a perpetual state of hungover, gotcha. so that's kind of where I was gotcha. mentally. And <laughs> I got a job down at the beach, and one night, a bunch of the people that we worked with, who were football players at Towson University, said, why don't we play pudding wrestling? Pudding? Pudding. Gotcha. Pudding wrestling. So I was like, sure, I'm in, because at this point, I was up for anything. Like, gotcha. my life was in the the garbage so i was up to do anything (laughs) so they found an abandoned townhouse and bought a baby pool and filled it with eight gallon jugs of milk and then put instant pudding in it to make it like a big pudding pool first of all it looked disgusting but it smelled pretty amazing because it just smelled like chocolate (laughs) exactly it smelled awesome so then a bunch of the guys bought a couple kegs and started wrestling in this giant pudding pool and it was funny at first. Then I got some liquid courage in me okay. and decided that it would be a good idea for me to have one of the Towson football players wrestle me. Okay. And they were like, nah, come on. Like, you're not going to do this. And I was like, what are you, a pussy? Guys don't really like being called pussy. Yeah, I can kind of go on a limb and say <laughs> right? I wouldn't like being called a pussy. So. <laughs> I feel like this doesn't end well for you. No. It, uh, well, I I'm mean, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to top this story. <laughs> so. <laughs> You can't. I, I was a, a wreck. So he said, well, fine, fine, then let's do it. So I clipped his legs out from under him and he landed on his knees. Okay. And, and now he's like double mad because not only did I insult him, I essentially injured him. I probably like broke both his kneecaps. I didn't really, but he was he was in pain. It was on a cement floor, too. Ouch. He takes me and basically body slams me in this pudding pool 
and my chin hits the concrete ground and splits open. But because I had so much to drink, I know the, fi- the face that Victor is making right now is if like I just, you know, I was never going to come back from this. I came back from this. What? This story ends uh, uh, positively. But so my chin splits open. <laughs> <laughs> but because I had so much alcohol in my body. You didn't feel a thing. I didn't feel a thing. And there was no blood. It was just kind of like beer running down my neck and maybe like a little bit of blood. And then pudding. And then pudding. Right. Pudding was everywhere. Yeah. That was pudding in my hair. There's putting in my crotch. I'd put it everywhere. It was disgusting. <laughs> Everyone was wasted, so they put a couple band-aids on it, taped it up, and that was the end of the party. We all went home. I woke up the next morning late for work, so I just ripped the band-aids off and headed to my job. And my job at the time was to be a waitress on the beach, so I had to wear a bikini and I was serving drinks. So I go up to the bar and I pick up my serving tray and it's got a bunch of like, you know, Bahama Sounds like an breezes. amazing job. It was an amazing job. amazing job. It was about, yeah, one of the best summers of my life besides splitting my chin open <laughs> and failing out of college. So I'm carrying this tray of drinks and I walk past the table that I'm supposed to be serving it to and my boss goes, wait, you just missed the table. And I was like, oh, sorry. And I swing back around and my boss looks at me and he's like, holy shit, what is on your face? And I'm like, uh, what do you mean? And he's like, your chin is split wide open. You're dripping blood into those Bahama Mamas. Like, what is going on? And I was like, oh. And the whole table just turned and looked at me because I'm standing there with all of their alcohol <laughs> bleeding from my face. The Bahama Mamas turned into Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, you still don't, you don't want this? this is, I can't serve this? Oh, man. So he turned me around. I went to the hospital. I don't know if you know like that sewing up a wound 14 hours later is uh, a little difficult to do. It didn't want to to close. And then so I have a nice little scar from that. So that's my embarrassing story. You don't have to top that at oh, all. Man. I know. I was a um, little bit of a mess, but I'd like to hear at least something embarrassing, embarrassing for you. I have an embarrassing story. Okay. And it's 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 a little much, but I'm going to tell it for the first time. I told my friends this. I think I told Bree this. I told my friends this. So I was about I was about 16 years old. This is before Elena's, before I was engaged, before all of that. I was about a junior in high school. Okay. A female girl that I was courting at the time, it was early. She's like, do you want to just take a ride with me? It was about, she called me at like 9 a.m., like woke me up. It was summertime. And I think the night before, I had had like chili and like something just really vile in my stomach. Uh Uh-huh. But I went to bed. Everything was fine. I wake up the next day. She hit me pretty early. I had just woken up. She's like, you want to take a ride with me to my uncle's house? I have to go check the mail. I'm going to check the mail. And then, you know, I'm going to, you know, we'll chill there for a minute and go home. So I'm like, all right. So we drive to Saddle River, which is like 25 minutes away from Patterson, New Jersey, where I lived. Mm-hmm. And I get there. And en route on the way, my stomach begins to rumble. Uh-huh. Badly. <laughs> So I'm on my way there and I'm looking at and I can't tell her like, yo, I need to I need to go take a shit. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to ride this out. I'm just meeting this girl. I don't want to get the wrong pressure. So when we get to her, I'm just like, we're just going to get to her uncle's house. I'm just going to go and use the bathroom and everything's going to be fine. Uh-huh. I get there. We walk up. She checks the mail and she's like, all right, time to go. And I was like, time to go where? You don't have the key to get inside? She's like, nah, I don't have the key. I just come and check the mail and that's it. And I'm like, you don't have the key. And she's like, no. And I'm like, all right. So I play it cool. I'm like, all right, I just got to go pee in the back. Um, I'll just be right out. Like, don't worry about it. I go to the backyard. <laughs> I find an area where there's two trees and a fence. I pop the nice deep squat. And you can fill in the rest. And then I get, and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, how am I going to wipe my ass? 
how is this gonna how is this gonna work? Yeah. So I take off my shirt. <laughs> I had an undershirt on, thank God. Take off the undershirt, give it a good Bugs Bunny, <laughs> like one of these. <laughs> chuck the shirt over the fence. Literally, I chuck the shirt. I put my shirt back on. I'm looking down, making sure my shirt is on. I look up and she's walking towards me. <laughs> and she's like, you all good? She didn't see anything. She's like, you good to go? I was like, yep. Let's get out of here. Wow. So unscathed <laughs> chili cheese is hanging from the fence behind me. And I'm good to go. That is amazing. <laughs> what? Uh, and embarrassing for yourself. Like, yes, right? You're just myself. like living in fear. I'm just like living. But my... Another embarrassing story, which happened two days ago, my daughter locked me out of the car when I picked her up from school. No. And I was locked out for legit nine minutes, the scariest nine minutes of my, like I put her in the car seat, I close the door, she goes, click, <laughs> and starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, this is bad. My phone was in the car, the key was in the car. Oh no. Everything was in the car. So I'm looking at her like, Kennedy, unhook yourself. <laughs> and she's like, I can't. And I'm like, unhook yourself. <laughs> And then I'm just like, wait, this isn't going to what? I got to find something else out. So I'll go, Kenny, just open the door. She's like, the door? And I was like, open the door. So she opens the door and it opens. And I was like, thank you, God. Wow. Is God. After nine minutes of deliberation, yeah. I found out that she can open the door and we, and we got home safe. I did that to my parents one time at a pumpkin patch. And they ended up having to jimmy rig to get the door open. But it's a terrifying <laughs> experience. Terrifying. Oh, my God. Because like your child is in the car and they're in the car seat and it's... It's not a car seat that they can get out of, obviously, because, you know, a kid, once they get a certain age, they can, like, break out of the car seat. But this one's, like, legit. So it's like you're you're low-key. You're trying to stay calm. Yeah. Because if they see you panic, like, it's it's all over. They start crying and they panic out. So you try to stay calm and just try to figure it out. And then behind me is, like, another mom playing with her daughter in the little jungle gym. And I'm trying to just be, like, quiet so she doesn't think I'm, like, a bad parent (laughs) or, like, locked it. It You don't want to draw too much attention? It was just all bad. How's being a father? Amazing. Yeah. I mean, watching, you know, watching someone grow right in front of your eyes like that is is an unreal, unreal feeling. Um, and it just gets better each and every day. She has a new story. She has, you know, she figures something else out and she learns something new. I mean, she's fluent in Spanish. She's learning Mandarin. Like, it's out of control. This Do you little speak girl. Spanish? I speak Spanish fluently, yes. Fluently. Okay, mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. So... Um, just watching her grow and watching her do all these new things as she gets older and older and as she starts to figure things out, it's been a, it's been a joy to watch. Awesome. Um, Victor, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Sam, Kyle, Abiel, Bree, thank you all for participating. This has been an awesome podcast. Victor, it was awesome having you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the exclusive too. No problem. Good luck this season and we wish you the best through your injury and, and recovery and everything like that. Thank you very, very much. It was a pleasure being on this show and I'd like to come back again if we could. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe co-host with you, kick producer Kyle over Yeah, bye Kyle. <laughs> well, we pretty much did the show by ourselves. I, mean, sat there and did, I did a lot of the pre-work, I think. I think you did. He did. Thank you. He did some work. You found the used car salesman. I did find that. <laughs> All right. Let's go get a snack.